today we're talking about horrible bosses and what to do about them. And no, it's not a weapon. It does not involve a weapon. No. Welcome, everybody, to Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. We are here to talk today about women and the workplace. We care deeply about women having a meaningful and happy, actually, happy, joyous experience in the workplace because we think that that is possible and achievable. So welcome. We're so glad you joined us. Yeah, it's possible, achievable. Just do what we say. Exactly. <laughs> If only things were so easy, if Karina, only, right? Just do what we say. If only. Oh, my goodness. How are you on this snowy day, Okay, Kirsten? I have to tell you, I had to make two trips down my icy, snowy driveway because I forgot my work basket. I'm going to tell the story because it was awesome. It's a snowy day. I live on a hill. I didn't want to drive. Kirsten, can you? Can I carpool into the studio with you? Sure. She picks me up at the bottom. Got to get coffee. We're got to get coffee. coffee this morning. Coffee. In the line at the coffee, where the hell's my work basket? I turn around to grab my <laughs> wallet, and I'm like, money? What? No money. Yeah, so we were late. It was a little, not only snowy day, had to go back to Kirsten's house to get it, which was great. We got to chit-chat. I got to see you great perform use of in time. the snow. I cannot believe how great you are at driving I know, seriously. It was like down the driveway. We slide. I turn into the slide, and I very effectively, I thought, put us in the uphill parking lot, even though it was a slide. No, it was a power slide. It's a power slide. Yeah. It was a total power <laughs> My slide. My 17-year-old would have been pretty impressed with your power slide. Power slide down the snow. Me, however, you know, I was just like clinching. I'm so far. I put my car in the ditch a long time ago oh, on so I-5. you have PTSD. I have PTSD about driving in the snow. Because when I said, when you turned to me, you're like, how are you going to get out of here? And I'm like, I'm going to yeah. drive. Yeah. I'm going to put on my snow thing and I'm going to drive gonna right do it. up. Here, I have to tell you this, though. There is a woman out there. If you're out there, I want to know who you are, lady. When I was in going to college and I had to drive in one of the worst snowstorms we'd ever had, I swear. And I'm on the freeway doing probably 15 miles an hour. And I ended up in the ditch in my little Datsun B210. And thankfully, it was right across the road from a rest stop. And so, like, I tromp over call a tow my parents, call a tow truck, and I'm waiting in my car now for this tow truck to arrive. In the ditch. In the in ditch. In the snow and the cold. In the snow and the cold. And this woman in some, you know, four by four or whatever, big rig, pulls over and she said, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. We can get you out. And she said, get in your car, put it in reverse. And she stood on my front bumper and jumped, oh jumped, 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 jumped. And got actually, this wonderful woman got me out of the ditch. I have thanked her a million times in my head. It was like one of those things where I just realized I had power. Like in that situation, I had no idea to know how to drive in the snow. And I was just like waiting for someone to come rescue me. And here comes this woman. We'll take care of this. Loved it. Okay, so that's like the best women in leadership and work story ever. It's like we can do it. And sometimes we just have to help each other. Sometimes we just have to jump on, on the bumper. bumper. That's it, it. Just jump on the bumper and you And are... just grind it out. Oh. Just push the pedal and go, sister. <laughs> exactly. Get her done. We'll take care of it. You don't need that guy in the tow truck. No. Well, apparently I still need my friend to pick me up in the snow, though, because... And I really appreciated the company as we twice drove down the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we are, yay! Talking about a subject today that Spencer, my 17-year-old, is the one who suggested this topic for us. The Did horrible you, bosses topic. Yeah, horrible bosses. Yeah, horrible bosses. When he listened to our podcast, he said, why don't you guys talk about horrible bosses? What do you know about horrible bosses at 17? 
Well, I've been his mom oh, for, okay. you know, I don't know. I don't know. He thought it would be interesting. We shall see. Because he works at the ski area. I'm very curious who his horrible boss is. I don't think been. he has one. He just is imagining them because he's 17. Yeah. Or he's heard stories, right? Of It's a great topic. Yeah. Because I, I think everybody can relate. Are you a good boss? Do you know what? I think I'm 80% of the time a good boss. And 20% of the time, I'm a horrible boss, but I think I'm good enough, the 80%, that people forgive me the horrible 20. And I've honestly worked on the horrible 20 my whole life. What Mm -hmm. about you? Do you think you're a horrible boss? I was a terrible boss. When were you a terrible boss? I was a terrible... Well, so let me just put it this way. My mom still talks about how when I was born, I came out of the womb and told the doctor how to tie the umbilical cord. Like, I've been a boss my whole life. (laughs) I was the boss of my family, my parents. On my report card in third grade, the comment was, Krina tends to mother the other children. Like that, and that was a bad thing. No, oh, I got, Kirsten is bossy. Because I also think, too, at that time, right. I think any kind of leadership from them was considered bossy. At that time? Yeah. I think even now. Probably. Yeah. I wonder how many children, male children, boys, find on their report card, he's bossy. Like, I bet you nobody has that. I bet you no dude has that. No, it's like, congratulations. Right. Congratulations, you're a leader. As no Kirsten, you're bossy. Yeah. Would you, st- yeah, stop bossing the other kids around. So, but back then, I think I did boss people around. I think that's what I mean by not a good boss. And probably up until mm, I started to have a staff that was willing to be honest with me about what it felt like to work for me. That's when I really changed, which is interesting, right? And that's been in the last 10 years where I've had enough. Feedback? Feedback and camaraderie and trust and vulnerability to hear things. So here's an example. There's actually a joke at my old, where I used to work. I would lead meetings and I'd be done with the subject, so I'd move on. Things and like, not say, does anybody else have anything? Yeah, no, I'm like, we're done. Like, no, we're done, we're going Okay, on. we're moving on. And somebody pulled me aside and said, you know, you might try just asking the group, are we ready to move on? This is a revolutionary bit of feedback, by the way, for me. And I anybody have anything else? Yeah, is there? Are we ready to move on? It became something that we'd chuckle about because I would try. Like, okay, you gave me feedback. I had no idea. I don't know what it's like to have something to say and not say it because I say whatever I want. I didn't realize people held on to things. Right? They just you thought they just get it all out there and be done with it. (laughs) Yeah. And no, some people actually need a space. Some people need a moment to take a breath and yeah, apparently, and they're not going to jam themselves in the conversation. No, and it took yeah. No, it took me forty-five years to figure whatever to figure that one out. Had somebody actually tell me, and so are we ready to move on? Became kind of a tagline for me. And when I left after twenty years, the commemorative plaque that I got says. No, comma, we're not ready to move on. Oh, I love it. I started crying. I mean, it became a thing, right? But that, for me, was the... Huge growth opportunity. One of the, when you say, was I a shitty... Yeah, I was. But you know what I loved about what you said in the very beginning? It's that you said, you talked about what did it take to become a good boss? It took vulnerability, right? It took trust. Yep. It took camaraderie, relationship, and all of those things take time and you don't just get them. No. Right? You build them. Yeah. And I love that about that. When you talk about what's the shift for you, well, the shift is using those skills, talents, and opportunities that create what being a good boss is. Yeah. Whether it's giving people the opportunity to talk or how you talk to people Uh or what kind of feedback you give people. So let's talk about that. 
What do you think makes a bad boss? I think we could probably list 50 oh my right gosh. now. Okay. Micromanager. And? Macromanager. Micromanager, macromanager, certainly. I think that bad bosses are people who fail to communicate with their staff. Yeah. I think that bad bosses are folks who always focus on the negative, not the positive. They're not looking for a positive way forward. They look for negative. So, you know, the kind of negative boss. Um, Not solution-oriented. Not solution That's very frustrating, I think, for folks. I think bad bosses are bosses that are all about themselves. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as to say narcissistic boss, but definitely the boss that cares about themselves. Like, what do I look like? How do I take credit for your work? How do we make me look good? I'm the smartest person in the room, Mm -hmm. that one. It's not about the work. How do we do our best work? It's about how can I look good? What about the boss who, you know, works 60-hour weeks? That's an interesting one. That's me. I know. And that's that's some feedback I've gotten, too. When you send me an email at midnight, it signals that you're working that late. It sets an expectation. What it should actually signal is that I'm not using my time well. (laughs) I know, but it doesn't because you're I know, but it should. But it really should. When I send an email at midnight with that, in fact, I'll tell you, I have this little trick. When I send emails late at night, I will put it on delayed delivery for the morning because I don't want people to think I'm crazy. I know. So I'll just have it go out at 8 a.m. Okay, but back to bad bosses and myself, actually. And I hope these things aren't true of me. But, you know, I think there are bosses that are bullies. Oh, yeah. I think they, you know, try and lead by intimidation and threat and power. I think when we're doing this list, there's a lot of extremes. Because I want to come up with the opposite. When you just say that bully, mm-hmm. well, too much power, it's also the shitty boss is the one who just doesn't show up. Like, won't. It doesn't have any power. No right. power. It's yeah. the other edge of the sword. Right. Yeah. Who's scared? Uh-huh. Who's, like, afraid to do anything and afraid to make a decision and afraid to guide people. So you kind of run around thinking, what are we supposed to do here? Right, or won't deal with issues. Here's an, another one that I uh, experienced. is the boss who won't tell you what they're thinking, right? That withholds information. Yeah. I mean, it's the lack of authenticity, right? It's like someone who's a faker or you just don't know what you're getting. No. Right? Information hoarder is certainly one of those types. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's a whole other show. Right. The whole other show. What's interesting is all of us, like if people out there think about their experiences in the workplace with their bosses, because we've all had bosses. Many of us have been bosses. We've all had them. I have all these people coming into my mind when I go through this list. Yeah. And it really is. Here's the reason we're talking about this. This really shapes your workplace. Oh, yeah. It's like one of the biggest indicators of job satisfaction. It's really hard to love your job and have meaningful work and want to show up every day when your boss is a putz. We talked about this before coming in today, how that saying, right? People don't quit jobs, they quit their bosses. Yeah, they quit their bosses. Which, right, there is that. Okay, so you want to talk about this survey that we saw that we found? It's a very, very interesting survey. Okay, I have to give a shout out to Bamboo... Bamboo HR. Bamboo HR. They have a bad boss index that we were looking at, right? The worst boss behaviors, according to employees. So here are some of them. The five characteristics of bosses that made people leave their job. Management style, condescending attitude. That's what you were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier, Mm -hmm. right? Mean or had a bad temper. So again, it's like... Just who you are. As a human. As a human, right? I'm going to either want to work for you or not. Okay, two more. Inappropriate behavior. Ugh. 
We didn't even touch on that one. When no, we, we doing, didn't. And then also um, like harassed. The bo- oh, if you inappropriate behavior. The boss that throws the trash can. Yeah. One of my experiences. Really? Totally, yeah. Okay, let's a trash it. can in the office. It was a woman that I worked for, and she was very intense, you know, and the other edge of that sword, she got very angry. And one time we were standing outside of her office talking about something, and the event was so dramatic and startling to me. I can't remember. I have PTSD. I can't remember the topic. I don't you know what we talked out. about. You just I totally, out. like, and here's what's even worse. So she picks up her trash can. She throws it across the room. It goes slamming into the wall. Trash goes everywhere. She had a coffee cup in there, which spilled coffee everywhere. I don't even know how anybody responded. I mean, there was the two of us, me and the office manager, standing in the doorway. And I think that we both just kind of left. We did not talk about it until after she left because both of us were so like... Dang, we thought it was coming towards us. So it's just one of those things where you're, you know, like sometimes we don't even know how to respond to this inappropriate right. behavior. Yeah. We just black, we blank out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting because I'm thinking about your story and I'm thinking, okay, then what? Who picks up the garbage? Well, then you start looking for a new job. Well, then you start, but you know, it's just so funny. Like in some ways, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. So silly. It's like two-year-old. Right. Like, wait, now... Who's picking that? But that's a bad boss. That's a terrible boss. That, that's and, and that here's inappropriate the deal. boss. If she would have come out of her office and said, oh, my gosh, I'm crazy. This was totally inappropriate. Cleaned up her own trash, made amends. I could have started to move on. Yeah. If you fill the well up with more trust and more good behavior, you can kind of sometimes dilute the bad behavior. I don't know. Ten to one, though. You know you need ten, ten good. Ten good to one bad. To one bad. And if it's a throw in the garbage can bad, a, that's 20. You need 20. Not a decade in this lifetime that she could ever find ten good to one bad. Oh, yeah. So we were so out of that she, I'm, How old were you? 30? Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's all so interesting, right? So, like, when you're in a situation where... You're kind of new in the workforce. I mean, 30s. I spent so much time in school. Yeah, I was really relatively new to the <laughs> professional work world. And just staring at this. Okay, I need to be able to trust my boss. Yeah. I need to know where I stand. I need to trust that they're going to treat me fairly. They need to be reliable in they how they respond reliable. to me. They need to be reliable. Right. I know that bad behavior. Back to this bamboo survey, bamboohr.com. The other thing I thought was interesting about this survey, which anyone can go see. By the way, they have these amazing infographics that make it a lot easier for me to understand. You know, I don't like to read. You like pictures. <laughs> I like words. I really you like pictures. You make a good pictures. team friend. I just, you should see me in a museum. My husband just reads every word. That's me. I'm in, in and out, and then I go just hang out outside um, he, oh, <laughs> with the kids. Okay, apparently women, according to this survey, are much more pissed off about these bad behaviors than I men are. I found that so interesting. So the, many of the behaviors examined had sizable differences between genders, right? These are behaviors that make you want to leave your job. And five of the behaviors that they are showing the infographic for— Made women much more pissed off. Made women leave, which right on, sister. Yeah. It's interesting, though, that there is this disparity between the yeah. genders. And here's, I mean, a couple of them are when the boss focuses more on your weaknesses rather than your strengths. Mm-hmm. No, we want to feel yeah. lifted mm-hmm. up, right? Apparently, guys don't care as much about that. Guys don't care as much about whether their boss appears to care if they're overworked. That's bothering the women. Bosses taking credit for work, I promoting the wrong people. Women are keyed, keyed into that. Because I think it's interesting. I think when you mess up the team dynamic, yeah. how people relate to each other and how people work as a team together, yeah, that strikes me as something that, you know what I think was interesting too was on the bamboo survey, the thing that made people the most angry 
was when somebody took credit for their work. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense to me because in order to rectify that in the workplace, you've kind of got to be a jerk. You've kind of got to stand up and say, and oh, if you gotta, your work is being, if, my, if someone else is taking credit, credit for, for my work, work, I have to kind of be a jerk and say, step up and say, wait a minute, that's not right. I actually did that. You didn't do that. And that can be very uncomfortable and very difficult. And if it's your boss, really hard to do. Right. Really, almost impossible to do. So let's think about that, right? We want to focus on, as much as I just love the bad boss diatribe, let's talk about bad bosses <laughs> while we're pissed off at them. Let's just talk about, let's just be pissed off. Let's just be pissed off at bosses. <laughs> but we got to be careful because we're bosses too. And we don't want to be bad bosses. So what do you do about that? Let's take that. If that's the number one, people taking, mm-hmm. cre- your boss taking credit for your work. What are you going to do about it? Okay, maybe be a jerk and say, who are you even being a jerk to? Like, to your boss? Well, screw him. I don't care. Unless he's going to fire fire you. Yeah. But, okay, hey, that was weird. I was, you know. Uh, I I feel like it's a check-in opportunity. A check-in. Like, you go to the person who's taken credit and you check in. Right. And you say, so this is what I heard. I just want to check in about kind of what you thought happened here. Like, I would ask the person offline in private after it happened. I would walk in and check in and say, hey, you know, I gave you da-da-da-da, and in this meeting, this is what you said, da-da-da, and I'm just curious why you didn't acknowledge that this is my part or this is what I did. Right. Right, and I do think it's a great opportunity for a gentle check-in. It is a gentle thing, but if you've got somebody who's a shitty boss taking credit for your work, you know is not are you really, to yeah, you? it's really not, and I think no, that's not why people leave. Of course, that is one of the biggest reasons people leave their job, because... It's one of the hardest things to fix. So let's make the assumption you know you can't fix it. You can't fix it. You're in a situation. You cannot bear it. What do you do? I think it comes down to being devalued, right? Like, so it's not— I think all these things are about devaluing other humans. Okay, I do. I think all of our bad boss is about fundamentally not valuing other humans. Right, and so when I'm sitting in this situation and I realize in a meeting or whatever that— you just took credit for all of my work. This is the 10th time I felt devalued at this place. I'm not going to f- fix that by sitting down and having a gentle no. check-in. In mm-hmm. fact, I'm not even sure I can fix it. This is a boss who... Shitty. Make a plan. Get out. Yeah, okay. Make a plan. So here's a situation. Can I tell you a story? Tell me a story. In thinking about this, I thought, what's the worst boss story I can come up with? And it was a friend of mine. And I want to describe to you, this is a situation where they couldn't leave. They really needed the job. The job had a lot of good things going. And these are things we have to really think about for folks. These are realities. I get my health insurance there. Right. I can't afford to not have a job for three months while I find well, a new one. I, mm-hmm. I, this provides me flexibility that mm-hmm. I really need for And my, I can't get family. that flexibility in other places. I have a really terrible boss, but I have all this flexibility I need for my family. Right. So yeah. it's a back and mm-hmm. forth, right? Yeah. So in some ways... He, it's a guy, just accepted that this boss, you know, they, they were in a... Why was the boss terrible? First of all, it was a manual labor job. This guy is frequently outside, in the cold, in the rain, and they refused to invest in any kind of safety equipment or rain gear, nothing, right? So it's a low-paying job, and he is responsible for all of his own... Equipment to stay warm and dry. Okay, well, I get it. If I have to go to a professional situation, my boss isn't That's buying interesting. my... interesting. Listen, you, I'm not giving you as your employer all the tools you really need to do your job. You're going to have to go get those yourself. Yeah, go buy them yourself. So then you feel unsupported. Right. Okay, so that, right? Unsupported. The entire organization was digital. 
But because his job was an outdoor job, right? He, he had didn't, no access. He had no to the access, digital. and they wouldn't train him, and they wouldn't provide him with access. He didn't even have a login. So no communication. No communication. So every once in a while, like so a memo, his would, boss just call him on the phone. They would call or just or he find would just, him. Or every once in a while, like a big long memo would come through, and his boss would print it out and sort of hand deliver it. Well. That's nice, right? Okay. But it was just, it created this isolation and dependency issue for him. And he had no way to communicate actively, right? he never knew what was going on. Right. So that boss is controlling the information flow. And it's only one way. And this guy can't communicate with his colleagues. He can't provide input. What's really interesting, too, is he doesn't know what he's working towards. Right. He's in this little world where he's given this thing. and He has no idea how it fits into the rest of the organization. No, absolutely. Which makes your work not as meaningful because you don't know how you fit in. Exactly. And he's controlled by someone who maybe thought they were doing him a favor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was an interesting thing to watch, right? And this is like 16 years this guy worked for this organization. This is not, you know, some he summer didn't spend job. three months there. Mm-mm. No. His immediate boss was also middle management and had no idea how to advocate, right? There so his s- own boss could not advocate yeah. to make the changes in the workplace with upper management right. to give him the support he needed, right. to take his isolation as a no. Interesting. Right? I'm describing this person who is very isolated and unsupported. Also, and has no meaning in his job because he doesn't really understand how he fits in. Exactly. And the structure was so poor. Anybody who was sort of above him in the corporate ladder could give him instructions. So no, like, chain of command. So there was no chain of command. So what I want to just point out for folks right now as we're talking about this is, as we have this conversation, it's so obvious, right? This is, like, mm-hmm. obvious. Like, you think about this, it's like, you know, why doesn't everybody in the organization see this? And this is what I think is so fascinating. Folks' inability to see what is right in front of them. Well, or he could see it, but he didn't. Quite. But nobody else. So did. I'm going to. That's you, what I mean. So, nobody and else I, sees this, it. And this list is so long. I want to just finish this one little story, and then I want to talk about that. The final straw, honest to God, was the big annual company picnic, and the people who had been there five and ten and fifteen and twenty years each got called up. You know, each cohort got called up, and they got given the gift certificate and the recognized watch and the plaque, recognized for their lovely, service. Lovely, Thank lovely. you, everybody. Clap. We all love them. This was his fifteenth year. They forgot him, and nothing. No, they forgot nothing. Him. He was that invisible. I don't even know if they did forget him. And later, he asked about it. He's like, "Do you know this was my anniversary too?" And they gave him some. <laughs> they gave him some like, well, you only work three quarter time, so we don't count. So you it. have to work twenty years before you get your fifteen I guess, year thing. I don't. So that's, that's so crazy. Cr- okay. So really, this person was invisible. So they really couldn't even say to him, "Oh my gosh, we're sorry, we <laughs> no. missed you." They had to say to him, "No, you're less than what we th- than what you think you are. Right? You're smaller than what you think you are. Right? They really did, and I think that oh, was the God. quintessential story for this. They really did. They treated him. And it was his immediate boss and then those supervisors above. They just treated him as though he had no value. So 16 years, my assumption is that he stayed there because whatever it is, benefits, flexibility, compensation. What made him leave? The 15-year thing? It was an issue. It was an issue with one of the immediate supervisors. It turned out to be a harassment issue. Oh, so he was so devalued that people felt that they could actually harass him. So then he was like, okay, now I'm really done. Yeah. Okay, does he have a new job? He has a new job. And? He is thriving. He is thriving. Which is all, you know, so And to watch his face light up, he has said, 
I have never been happier in my job. I know we want to focus on solutions and we are getting yes. to the end of this episode. I think that in almost every case, when you've got a situation where the power dynamic is such that you cannot be honest with the person who you work for and you are in a bad situation, I think almost always the solution is you have to get out. You have to make a plan. You have to make a plan. And maybe it's a two-year plan. Maybe it's, maybe it's a 10-year plan. Hopefully it's not 10, but it has to, has be, a to be a plan. And, you know, here's the thing that I, you know, I do a lot of reading about the workplace and about effective performance. And one of the things that I see all the time that I, every time I see it, I'm just like, that's right. It is while you are there creating your exit plan, do the very best work you can. Mm-hmm. You know, almost in like a show them sort yes, of a way. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to show you. And tell me why. Why do you want to do that? The best work you can? Yeah. Because what you want to do is you want to create the best environment that you have where you are at the time. You want to do the best you can. That also leverages you into the next job. It builds your confidence. It makes you look internally. It's the thing you can do. Exercise your agency. Find what it is you can do in the moment and doing the best thing is a wonderful way to spend your time as opposed to just being miserable. Yes, and I completely agree with you. It is advice that I have given time and time again. And I will say that... Hard. Uh, it's hard, it's but really a common... And I, this is the mindset you have to have. When you're in a situation like that, you and trying to get out, which really, like, again, we're saying, if you're in a situation where your boss is terrible... You're making a plan to leave. And before you leave, you are being interviewed for your next job. Mm -hmm. You just don't know it. So yep. do the best work you possibly can. That will set you up for success in your next role, whatever it whatever is. Whatever it is. But as soon as you start shit-talking, as soon as you start throwing a tantrum, as soon as you start doing passive-aggressive stuff, that starts to reflect on you, and you're creating a situation where you could get stuck. We don't want you to get we stuck. We don't want you to get stuck. That's the thing. Do we not want, get stuck. No, we want you to get unstuck. We want you to be happy. We want you to understand where you can be making that decision. Where and always be reevaluating your plan. Like, make a plan, but as new information comes in, Reevaluate, keep it up to date, and figure out what your exit is from a situation that you know you can't change. Yes. And I have to say, one other piece of advice is document your experience. Because we make up stories about we, it. We do. I want to, and I want to see in writing what's going on from your perspective. Maybe that documentation is going to help you in the future. Maybe there's a situation where you need to refer to specifics. But the act of documenting your experience also provides something that you can refer back to. So you can't say, I mean, if you think this happened so many times, you actually go back to your journal and see how many times it happened. Is your recollection accurate? Yeah. Are you not looking at something that you should? Because if you're miserable, you've really got to be able to sort through the facts and figure out why. Yeah. And if you do a little journal, it just has to be notes. Then you give yourself the information you need to make the best decision for yourself. Yeah. And I'll say that documentation has helped me on so many oh, yeah. levels. I have this kind of low-grade dissatisfaction. And then I look at my journal and I realize, oh, my gosh, the same issue has been happening regularly for the last three years. The little thing that's been nagging me 
is a pattern I need to fix. So write it down and make a plan and And be excellent in the meantime. In the meantime, absolutely. I think those are the three takeaways. I have to say another takeaway for me on this conversation is just about how all of these examples come back to devalue. Like devaluing. And come back to where you started with how you solved your problem. Authenticity, collaboration, respect, trust, right? That's where we get the juicy good stuff. And if you heard yourself in some of these stories, you got to figure out a way to crack that open a little bit. Start owning how your behavior... Or if you're not in a leadership position, but you still heard yourself, you still saw yourself in how you treat your coworkers. We do not want a shitty workplace. We want everybody (laughs) kind of moving in this great direction. Yeah. We yeah. got too much work to do. Too we got to we got to get to work. We got to get to work. We got to get to work. We can't handle shitty bosses anymore. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here, Kirsten. It was fun. Holy cow. I'm glad we got here. It was a fun afternoon. Thank you for driving. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, that was fun. If you liked that episode, find us on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, take a look at our website at yougettowork.com. Thanks for listening. Crean and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded at community-powered KMRE 102.3 FM in Bellingham, Washington, and streaming at kmre.org. And thanks to our sound engineer, Kevin Leja. Thanks, Kevin.